This is episode 12 of the Nancy Panura Podcast, produced by STEM Media. Let's go. You're listening to the Nesbypreneur Podcast, where we share information and inspiration to help make your dream become a reality. Do you have a big idea? Looking to take your business to the next level? Then look no further. You have come to the right place. And now, here's your host, Nehemiah Mabry. What's going on, people? Thank you once again for joining us here on the Nesby Panora Podcast. Of course, I'm your host, Dr. Nehemiah Mabry, and I intend to inspire. Today, we got another informative, engaging, exciting interview for you, and I'm joined with none other than Miss Britt Fitzpatrick. How are you doing today, Britt? I'm great. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for joining us. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Britt Fitzpatrick is the founder and CEO of MentorMe, a SaaS or software as a service mentoring platform. Britt is a 2014 Focus 100 fellow and a member of the Fall 2014 Points of Light Civic Accelerator. She's been named one of the top 50 under 40 emerging leaders in social enterprise by American Express, and Inc. Magazine recognized her as one of eight awesome black women tech founders to watch. In 2015, the U.S. Chamber of Commerce named Britt a woman entrepreneur to watch. Britt also serves on the advisory board for 100 Girls of Code and is an ambassador for Ronald McDonald House Charities. Britt, that is very impressive, I must say. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Congratulations on those magazine acknowledgments and those positions that you hold. That's, that's That's really great, and we look forward to hearing a lot more about your story and how you got into this. Um, but one of the things we start out with here on this podcast is that we ask our guests to give us one random fun fact about themselves. And oh so, gosh. Yeah, it could be, <laughs> it could be anything like it doesn't necessarily have to be extremely revealing, but for instance, sure. some, something that doesn't show up in your typical bio, share that with our audience. Well, um, I'll share this because it's something that um, people always point out when I meet them in person. I am six feet tall, but I am known for wearing my three-inch heels. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I I guess that's a a random fact, but very much uh, something that is pointed out often when I meet people off of Twitter. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I probably would have said the same thing if I met you in person because I I can't guess that from your photos. You don't. Look six feet, but that's, right. that's cool. And why should you have to give her your heels just because you're six feet? Like, everybody Amen. has to deal with that. <laughs> that's their problem, right? Right. Yes, exactly. exactly. That's awesome. So did you get pushed into any sports because of that, though? Well, I was um, recruited at a very early age to be a basketball player. My dad actually played overseas um, okay. professionally, and my dad is six eight, so oh. I got um, so if you see pictures of me from, you know, the age of 11 months forward, I have a basketball that's bigger than me, um, <laughs> but I'm pushing around. So yeah. my dad kind of groomed us, um, but I, I stopped playing after high school, um, but I did enjoy my days on the court and I still feel like I have a pretty decent jump shot. 
Pretty decent. Okay. All right. All right. I'm, I'm decent. <laughs> decent. Okay. Okay. That's cool. We might have to see that one of these days. But, uh, <laughs> it's nice to know that you found uh, a niche uh, nicely in the tech space, and that's what we're going to talk about today. But um, if you could, just give us a little background on you as it relates to academics. You know, what schools did you go to? What was your majors? You know, how did you get into your initial fields of study? Sure. So my academic background actually has nothing to do with technology. Um, <laughs> so I went to Howard University for undergrad. Um, shout out HU, you know, <laughs> um, and uh, studied public relations. So I was really interested in um, going into, at the time, working for an agency, a really big agency um, like Edelman. And um, through that process, I had a, some great internships, and it was there through my internships that I actually got introduced to um, the role, the increasing role that social media was playing in public relations and communications and marketing. Uh, mind you, this is like Twitter was like kind of new at this point. <laughs> so, yeah. um, you know, it wasn't necessarily uncommon to not um, be fully integrating these things into your everyday life or into mm -hmm. your work. Um, so I think for me, social media was kind of the gateway to technology, and I feel that for a lot of people with non-traditional tech backgrounds, you'll hear them mm -hmm. talk about, you know, I learned to code by customizing my MySpace page or, you know, right. all things, different avenues. Um, so I ended up going to grad school when the economy had tanked. Um, I needed a couple more years <laughs> of, of security, so I got a scholarship to go to the University of Memphis. And my elective course was actually a web development course, and I instantly just fell in love with it. I found myself taking time outside of class to learn more advanced um, coding, getting more deep, more deep into uh, JavaScript, and um, before I knew it, I was doing front-end development for churches and hair salons who need help with wow. their websites right. um, to pay my bills and <laughs> pay my light bills uh, while I was in grad school. Mm -hmm. um, so that was kind of my entryway into technology. Um, I still love digital media, marketing. I'm still something I'm passionate about. But um, I think grad school is where I kind of started to veer off of that a little bit and kind of get a little more in-depth into, I guess you would consider more hardcore, quote-unquote, development right. work. Right, right, right. And I guess your marketing background isn't at a loss. I mean, it's, it's definitely Not at all. A, a great asset to have as an entrepreneur. Yes. Absolutely. That's one of the things I tell people, you know, there's all different facets to running a startup. You know, mm -hmm. knowing the code is, of course, important for a technology company, but it doesn't necessarily mean that you'll be a successful CEO. I mean, there's there's other avenues to getting into the world of startups and entrepreneurship, like you mentioned, and marketing right. is certainly a huge part of that. Right, right, right. Wow. So you, you went to Howard, and we, we actually interviewed another Howard alum. Uh, you know Jewel Burks? Are you familiar with the name? I do know Jewel, yes. Yeah. She's fantastic. Very, very yeah. proud of her. She's doing with her pick. She's yeah. She is, she is. And we had the, the honor and privilege of interviewing her on our first episode. She was our first interviewee. And so listeners, just want to encourage you, if you haven't heard that episode, it's a really great episode. Check out uh, Jewel Burks' part pick. But today we have another uh, illustrious alum of Howard, who I am interested to know, um, in your case, Britt, how did you get, you know, involved in entrepreneurship to begin with? Like, when did you first notice that you had kind of this inclination to go out and uh, take the plunge by yourself? 
So my first <laughs> entrepreneurial venture was actually when I was around seven or eight. Okay. Um, I spent a lot of time over at my granny's house in the summer. And one of the big highlights of the day, as many as you may have experienced, was when the ice cream truck would come around. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so my first big idea, there's nothing more devastating than missing the ice cream truck. I mean, it's, it's horrible. So finding that pain point, as most entrepreneurs do, mm-hmm. I decided that I would resell, I would buy bulk ice cream, and I would resell it to the kids who had missed the ice cream truck. Oh, wow. Uh, okay. <laughs> that was my- wow. I wasn't, I wasn't, I didn't exercise great integrity. I had ridiculous markups. And so I do apologize <laughs> for that for any of my former customers. Um, oh, but it, so that was my first business. And um, I got shut down when I sold a bomb pop for $20. And one of the moms ride me out. Oh, um, but it did help me see that, um, you know, you can find a pain point and use that to build a business and become right. profitable. Um, yeah. So that was kind of my first entrepreneurial venture. As an adult, um, I definitely never saw myself doing a traditional nine-to-five on a long-term basis, although I did have the opportunity to work for an amazing organization, um, Ronald McDonald's Charities, for two years mm-hmm. out of grad school. Um, my long-term vision was always to be doing something entrepreneurial, and I had the opportunity to pitch an idea um, that was just stemming from my uh at that time, about 10 years of experience with mentoring programs and um, had told a friend of mine that I wanted to do something at the time that I described as an eHarmony for mentoring mm-hmm. um, because there was I saw that there was an issue with finding the right type of mentor or as a mentor being in a position where you feel like you can really contribute um, to someone, whether it's you know professionally or in the case of youth mentoring. How do you go about finding the right matches? Right. Um, kind of my little question. And um, I had the opportunity to go through kind of a startup weekend type of event for women entrepreneurs in Memphis. And that led me to getting invited to apply for an accelerator. Um, an accelerator for those who may not be familiar, um, I don't want to assume that everyone is, yeah. um, is basically a, a, a 90-day boot camp for entrepreneurs, and it's designed to get you to a year's worth of progress in those 90 days. And so it's meant to literally accelerate your progress your in terms right, of right. your platform development, in terms of your customer um, discovery and research, in terms of your business model, really in all areas, and hopefully in getting funded. <laughs> um, right. It's the ultimate so let me ask you real quick, Brett, um, and, and I love the story you gave with you being a child and <laughs> selling basically, <laughs> you know, uh, ice cream after the truck has passed. Like, that's almost, that's brilliant as a young child <laughs> to kind of identify that pain point. Um, and then kind of taking that, that same spirit into adulthood, young adulthood, you had this idea for mentoring and got sure. to accelerate it. So I, I'm really curious if you could just kind of really quick share how you began to identify the pain points of that particular uh, venture because you know there's one yeah. thing to say you know uh you know something's very obvious to you but on the other hand finding something that not only is a pain point but hasn't already been totally covered like how did you realize that okay this is something that i could provide a unique solution to yeah that's what fantastic question because I think sometimes we do get stuck at our ideas and then mm-hmm. we can't figure out 
to turn them into something that people will pay for. And those are two different things. Um, So um, what I did and what I always suggest to other people who want to get into entrepreneurship is you always want to start with a process called customer discovery before Mm -hmm. you go in to build anything. And the questions that you want to answer during this process are, you know, have I identified the right pain point? How valuable would my solution be to this pain point? And how much would people be willing to pay for this? Um, so those are the three basic questions. There's actually a great book called Guide to Customer Discovery that really goes into more detail okay. around the process. Very quick read. Um, but those are kind of, in short, uh, what you're trying to figure out through this process. And so I actually interviewed more than 100 <laughs> potential um, customers um, trying to answer these questions. And what I found was um, that the matching was part of the problem, but there was also an opportunity for a larger, uh, more comprehensive platform that also dealt with data management, with mm-hmm. um, tracking, with um, outcomes measurement and reporting. So Mentor Me um, has actually evolved from my original concept to what right. it is now is a very comprehensive platform um, that deals with the entire mentoring life cycle, not just when the match is created. So right. I'm, I think not the pitch, but just to share that um, customer discovery is important because you could actually be missing out on a larger opportunity, or you could find that your idea is not really what's the most valuable thing to that customer. Right, right. And that's perfect because our, just our last episode, we talked about, you know, finding your next business idea fast as an acronym, F. A-S-T, and we talked about, you know, finding, I guess, an audience, a group of people that you wish to serve, and then ask some questions. And we talked about what you yeah. just said, how you said you interviewed over 100 uh, potential customers. <laughs> like, that's that's what it's all about. You know, you could think you know what people want, but until you actually hear them say, hey, this is a problem I have, this is what I would like, you aren't sure that it's a great idea. So I, I really love the fact that you reiterated that point for us. And then you also recommended a book. Say that title one more time about customer discovery. Sure. It's called Guide to Customer Discovery. I think it's like blue, like light blue. It's pretty Mm -hmm. short, um, which is great because the point is to get you out there actually doing the customer discovery work. Um, So very quick read. It also, I think they have an audio book version as well if you have Audible, the app. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, definitely check it out. And by the way, it never stops. You know, just because we've launched Mentor Me doesn't mean that I'm not still doing customer discovery. I'm still learning and getting feedback. Mm -hmm, So mm -hmm, it's, mm -hmm. it's an iterative process. Nice. Nice. And we'll find that book and put it in our show notes, listeners, so you can uh, link to it or find it somewhere online. But um, we're going to dig into, I guess, just the model of Mentor Me. Um, this is where, you know, we really want you to kind of give us a, kind of a clear de- description of how it all works. You know, it's, sure. say it's a SaaS mentoring platform. What does that mean? And then how exactly yeah. do you make money from it? Sure. Um, so we started off. Um, so I, because I'm not a traditional tech background, I started off with how I wanted the platform to work based on how the process would ideally work. And then I layered the technology on top of that. Okay. So, um, I think that's really important for people who don't necessarily have traditional CS backgrounds that if you start with the process and do some really great wireframing and can clearly describe how you want it to work, you can then mm-hmm. take it to a contract developer um, or find a co-founder for equity to get it built, even if you mm-hmm. don't have that background. Right. So, um, so 
mentor me is a software and service platform just means that um, we sell software and that is our, our core uh, our core products for our customers. Um, the way that our platform works is every customer gets basically a white labeled or branded um, landing page that is designed around their organization, around their mentoring program, and they can recruit mentors and mentees to that landing page, that URL, to sign up for their program. Um, from mm -hmm. there, um, we have they fill out an online application that again is completely customizable. Um, that goes to a custom profile, similar to what your Facebook profile looks like. Mm -hmm. um, and then they, once they have people in their database, they can match them um, based on certain criteria, whether it be availability, um, gender, um, professional expertise, et cetera. And then we have a way for them to actually log in after they've been matched on their phones and check into all of their sessions. Um, they can receive and check off goals as they're completed. Mm -hmm. um, and we're working on our 3.0 version, which will be um, focused on providing even more engagement tools for mentor mentee matches. But that's in short, how the platform works from end to end. Um, mm -hmm. It's really designed to streamline the process. We found that we've been able to um, reduce the time that it takes to onboard a mentor or a mentee for organizations by an average of 25%, mm -hmm. which is time that can be spent doing other things. A lot of our customers, the mentoring program is one of the roles they play within their organization. <laughs> they have other right. things that they do day-to-day basis. Right. So <laughs> the business value for them and for mentors and mentees, it's helped them to get more transparency into um, where they are in the onboarding process as well as engage with their mentors or mentees in a different way, in a very convenient way, um, right. that they can't currently do um, using pen and paper and, and other kind of more analog tools. Right, right. So if I am running, say, for instance, a summer camp, and I got, I don't know, 200 kids that signed up for the summer camp, and I got uh, just a lot of volunteers and teenage counselors, and I want to somehow, through this camp, match uh, the counselors with the younger campers so that they can become, have, you know, develop a mentor-mentor-mentor-mentee relationship uh, as, mm -hmm. as opposed to getting my own spreadsheet on Excel and trying to take surveys right. <laughs> and trying to match people. I could then use some, a platform like MentorMe, have everyone, like you said, onboarded very efficiently. And then by having access to that, I would then, what, pay, you know, your company like a monthly fee or something of that nature yeah. in order to have access? Yeah, so um, we have monthly and yearly subscription plans. And the great okay. thing that about MentorMe um, and about mentoring in general is that it's really growing beyond just the social sector and okay. in, through um, our customer discovery and our, our business development. We've actually gotten customers um, through Chambers of Commerce that are doing small business development and using mentorship as an add-on um, to their membership services and pairing small business owners with um, corporate mentors in the community. Mm. We have government agencies that are using it to run statewide programs. Wow. Um, we have adult learning programs that are teaching adults um, that are at or below a seventh grade reading level and pairing them mm. with adult mentors to help them get their GED or get a promotion. Mm. So we have a really diverse set of customers. But to your point, there's absolutely um, – we absolutely do have customers within the youth sector. We actually are partnered with the Grizzlies Foundation um, mm -hmm, of the mm -hmm. Grizzlies here in our local town, shout to Memphis, um, mm -hmm. who are using our platform for their youth mentoring programs that they fund. Wow, wow. And so, man, this is this is all great stuff. Britt, I, I congratulate you on your success and the progress, and I know you're still in that 
iterative process of continuing sure. to discover uh, where the needs are, where the pain points are. Um, but I want to take a step back just really quick. And you kind of already began to allude to this. You know, you got into an accelerator, which I'm sure really uh, benefited you and helped your growth. And so uh, for the sake of our listeners who have a great idea, who may even be at the point where now they know the pain point and they know uh, uh, they have a good idea of what they could build to solve that. Could you please kind of share with us, um, I guess, one of the first practical things you did to literally turn it into a real product? And you mentioned some of the wireframing, but then also, if you could add to that, um, any particular challenge or lesson that maybe you didn't expect to kind of be uh, an issue when you first launched out, but you saw, oh man, this is this is something that I didn't consider, but um, I see now it's, it's a big deal. I know that was a yeah. question. <laughs> I think that's like one of the biggest struggles um, is taking it from concept to product because we, in our head, we have this full product in yes. our in our mind of how yes. it should work. Reality, mm-hmm. <laughs> you, mm-hmm. really, you really don't know, actually know how people are going to receive it until you have a tangible product to get them to use. Um, so that's why I say customer discovery never ends because there's the pro- there's the feedback that goes into building the product and then there's mm-hmm. the feedback to get the product built. So I think one of the biggest lessons that I learned and something that I share with other people is pick like one or two things that your product that you want your product to do and focus mm-hmm. on doing those really well before you do anything else. Okay. So for example, if for mentor me, it's like, well, we start off very simply. It's like, how do we do the onboarding, the batching, and the tracking really well? Mm-hmm. Um, and then, but we, we started, it was like, okay, well, how do we just do the onboarding well? How do we streamline that? Okay, we've got mm-hmm. that down. Okay. okay. What, what else can we do with the tracking? Okay, great. Okay, we've got some basic matching functionality. Well, how can we make that more advanced? So I didn't start off with the current mentor me platform. I actually started off with a spreadsheet myself that I was doing in the back end, but I was just taking it off the hands of other people. So they were paying me to do that. And then I developed the process and I said, okay, let me get into WordPress and start to automate some other things. And so I was slowly automating myself out of the product. But in the beginning, I was the product. I was the MVP, the minimum (laughs) product. You were the back end. You were the back end. (laughs) Yes, exactly. The back end, (laughs) the front end, I was the whole thing. Um, So... And that's okay. It's okay to start there. And so right. I think, you know, start where you are and use what you have. Mm-hmm. Um, and be mm-hmm. creative. Think outside of the box. Because you'd be surprised what people will find value in. Sometimes you just saying, well, let me do this for you. Even if I'm mm-hmm. doing it the exact way you do it now, let me do it for you. You'd be surprised mm-hmm. if people will write you a check <laughs> just for that. Wow. Um, yeah. So, yeah, that's probably my biggest learning lesson and something that I would also share when you're in that in-between phase. Gotcha. So really quick, um, you know, you were doing this yourself. Then did you find help through your accelerator or like when did you get to the point where you were like, okay, you are a coder here. Could you do this for me or get get money to pay someone or like how did you get to that point from you carrying all of that load, that particular load to getting someone to help you? So it was actually both. Um, I did meet some great developers through my accelerator. Mm -hmm. Um, I found that I was able to move the quickest when I, so I actually raised some initial funding um, in January of 2014. We closed 175K, which that allowed me to 
um, with that, I had, you know, I had some customers, I had some revenue, and I had my prototype. So with that, I was able to go and then, yes, hire developers to take my prototype and build out to what eventually became the 1.0 version of our platform. But that process took about, launched officially, I would say, in June. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the process of finding contractors and learning, you know, how to structure my contractor agreements correctly, right. um, how to set deadlines mm-hmm. um, is really important. I think when you're working with contract developers, it can be a little bit of a struggle sometimes. Um, and so, yeah, just like learning the process, development process myself and how to manage it appropriately and then getting the product built took about five to six months. Um, but once we got going, I didn't, I, during that time, I wasn't stopping doing business development. You know, I was mm-hmm. still reaching out. I was still trying to hit up customers. I was still working on our marketing and all of that, and that's important. Um, because when we were ready to go, I was able to flip the switch and get us our, our first big um, strategic partner. So don't wait. Don't feel like you have to do what you can do while you're waiting is what right. I'm saying. Right. You're Work not while you wait. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know, you said something. We're gonna have to at some point do an episode on raising money and finding funding because um, one of the things that stop people, and we won't go into it in this episode, but one of the things that stop people is when they have a great idea, they're like, okay, well, sure, I could do this, but I'll move so slow, and I don't have any money to hire anyone, and that is yeah. a problem. But there are opportunities yeah. out there where you can pound the pavement. And go and pitch, as I see you've done quite a bit, and enter into startup competitions and pitch before people who are able to maybe donate this and give that, and through the process get some funding whereby you can uh, begin to grow at a little faster rate. So I think that's good that you mentioned that you had to raise money to do that. Yeah, I think it's also important though with the fundraising conversation. Mm-hmm. You know, raising money doesn't necessarily always solve your problem. And mm-hmm. so I think, you know, there's something to be said about bootstrapping up to a certain point. Um, I know that it's more frustrating and that it takes a little bit longer, but there's nothing, it's even more stressful to raise money when you really weren't ready for it. Uh, right. <laughs> um, well, I would say, you know, in the beginning, you know, put yourself in a position. They say you raise money when you don't need it. So mm-hmm. put yourself in a position where you have some negotiating tools so you can get the best possible deal from your investors. And also in the meantime, go do some startup pitch competitions. Go, uh, you might have to get, you know, a part-time job while you're working on your idea to, to invest in your own company. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, sometimes you have to have a side hustle and there's right. nothing wrong with it. Um, so think creatively, you know, and think about ways that you can bring in some income to fund your business. And can you do some pitch competitions to win some checks that you can put in the bank? <laughs> I like that. That's good. That's good. Thanks. Thanks for adding that. Well, we're going to come in, come down to our, uh, kind of the final portion of this interview. And these last couple of questions are specifically designed to, to give some, some nuggets and advice to take away. And so, um, one of our favorite questions to ask is, if you could go back in time, Britt, we could hop on time machine, time machine right now, and you could go back to, let's say, a year before you got into the accelerator and before things really began to look like they were taking off, and you could give yourself yeah. really quick advice, like let's just say 10 to 20 seconds worth of advice, 
What would you tell that younger version of Brit right now? I would tell myself two things. First, I would tell myself to take care of myself. Mm-hmm. And I would tell myself to not look. Well, I need validation for my ideas mm-hmm. that I have to validate myself. Mm-hmm. Those would be my two pieces of advice. Can I expound upon what you mean by take care of yourself? Sure. So, um, sorry, I thought I had 20 seconds, so I was trying to keep it short. Yeah, no, no, that's good. I, I'm just interested. That was, that was, that was yeah, intriguing. For sure. Yeah. I, I think, um, so this is hard, right? Like starting a company from scratch is really hard. Mm-hmm. I think particularly when you come from a group that is underrepresented within the industry, mm-hmm. there can be some additional obstacles or you might have to navigate your startup journey a little bit differently. Um, that doesn't mean that you, first of all, that doesn't mean you're not as capable. That doesn't mean mm-hmm. you can't do it. I'm just speaking out of um, the reality of, of the current diversity within the industry. Right. Um, so all of that to say, I think that sometimes, you know, working 24 um, seven, you know, not sleeping, eating ramen noodles and all those things. I think that sometimes that's glorified as you're only being serious if you're doing those things in that order. Mm-hmm. And the bottom line is that's not really realistic and it's not sustainable. And the most successful entrepreneurs that I know are doing things like meditation or mm-hmm. eating healthy or making sure they get their rest. They are finding time for their family when they can. So I think it's important to make sure that while you're going on your startup journey that you are taking, even if it's just 30 minutes, even if it's just five minutes in the morning, mm-hmm. take some time to do for yourself because you have to give so much of yourself in order to do this. Yeah. It's important that you're also pouring back into yourself so that you can sustain because if you can't sustain, your company can't sustain. True. So true. So true. So um, another question is what book and or resource would you recommend to someone searching for the right way to make things happen? Hmm, that is a tough question. You said one earlier, but uh, yeah, that's a good one. Um, I I love books, so I'm trying to like narrow down. I'll tell you the books that I read during my accelerator because I think those are great. Like starter, that's a good starter kit. Um, So there's guide to customer discovery. Um, There's business model generation, which talks Mm -hmm. about the business model canvas and how to use that greatly mm-hmm. um do more faster is a good one and the lean startup those are like four like starter kit startup library <laughs> books yeah yeah no those are those are good i've heard of all of those i've only read uh the business model generator that's like a workbook kind of thing that kind of helps you it, it, get everything yes. out. yeah all of those are very much focused on actionable intelligence. They're not just books that you're sitting down. It, it's great to be able to quote them, but they, they do tell you, like, they give you practical advice. Mm-hmm. Um, 10X is another good one um, by Grant Cardone. It's not a startup book necessarily, but it is a good just business book um, that talks about um, it's more focused on, like, sales. Um, Grant Cardone is an amazing sales guy, and so I, it's also just generally inspirational. But he talks a lot about um, marketing and sales, um, which is something you know outside of your product. You know, you really need to right. uh, make your business successful. So I think that's another good one to add to that list. 
Great, great, great. And listeners, of course, all of these will be linked on the show notes page. Uh, Britt, do you have any, as you build Mentor Me, do you have any other SaaS platforms that you use that kind of help you with, as you work as an entrepreneur? Oh, yes. So <laughs> I am the app queen. <laughs> my, my, I am always trying to find ways to streamline my day-to-day um, mm-hmm. productivity. So um, if you're looking for a good customer relationship management tool, um, mm-hmm. HubSpot actually has a free one. Um, that if you want that you can use if you're just starting out, um, Boomerang is a um, Gmail right. add-on, and it actually helps you to like pre-schedule emails. So if you have a lot of emails to send out, you can go ahead and pre-schedule them the night before, mm-hmm. and then you don't spend your whole day the next day um, emailing people. Um, let's see, so many things. Um, <laughs> it's great for social media. Yeah. Um, if you're looking to um, get more into the social media marketing side. I mean, I can go on and on, but those are just three off the top of my head um, that yeah. I've. Yeah, they come that are on top of my, yeah, no, that's great. And um, I'm sure there are people listening that are writing those down and we'll check those out. I'm going to check out Boomerang myself. I've been meaning to check out Boomerang for a long time, but I it's really great to get on that. Yeah. Yeah. All of those are like either free or cheap. <laughs> so I try to think <laughs> of one. Absolutely. Those are the best. <laughs> Um, prices so thank you for that all right well Britt I have thoroughly enjoyed this conversation sadly um, it's come to a close um, but before we go I'm just going to ask you to go ahead and share with our audience a little bit about how we could find out about more about what you do website or anything like that and then leave us with one of your favorite quotes if you don't mind hmm okay um so you can learn more about Mentor Me on our website, which is getgetmentorme.com. Um, that's our main website. Um, you can also email me directly at Brit, B-R-I-T, at getmentorme.com if you want to reach out to me directly. Um, one of my favorite quotes, um, it comes from, um, her name is Janice, and she's the first, uh, I think she's the first black woman She's the first woman to build a billion-dollar business, I believe. Mm -hmm. I saw her on the Today Show. Um, And she said, never compromise who you are personally to become who you want to be professionally. And I think that um, is great advice um, for anyone entering into any type of business to never compromise your integrity to get to where you're trying to go professionally. I love it. I love it. You have it, listeners. Um, I hope this interview has inspired you as much as it has inspired me. Britt, I can't thank you enough for taking the time out. And, um, you know, as your bio said, you've been named as a woman to watch. And so we will be keeping our (laughs) eyes on your career and everything that you're doing with Mentor Me. So thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us. Thank you. Thank you for listening. We really hope you enjoyed this episode and we would love for you to come and join us again next time. In the meantime, please do us a couple of favors. One, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or any other platform you might find us on. And two, rate and leave a positive review so we can know what you think of the show. And finally, 
spread the word. Tell your friends and family that they can join us right here on the Nesby Panur Podcast.